TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone! Touch them all, Joe Maurer! And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. Now, our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. Hey, welcome to Touch Em All Podcast. I'm Derek Wetmore. We're going to talk about the Twins' off-season needs today. It's a repurposed Facebook Live chat. We're going to be hanging out on camera. Thank you to the Facebook audience for joining today. I see Dan. I see Brian. We've been talking with Justin. We've been talking with Greg. We're going to talk about five needs that the Twins have this winter, and I think it's no fewer than five. I'd even... You could talk me into the fact that it might be more than five, but we'll start with the five today. If you guys have any things that you want to chime in on, just drop it in the comment section. I definitely want to include your questions as part of this podcast. In fact, I don't know that I have enough for a full podcast without you guys, so I'm counting on you. If you've got free agents you want the Twins to go after, if you've got your short wish list, if you've got trade candidates, I'd love to hear them, or maybe just disagree with some of my ideas for what's a necessity for the Twins this winter. I'm going to jump right in and outline my five needs. I'll do them rapid fire, I promise, actual rapid fire, not wet more rapid fire, and then I'll turn it over to the comments section and hear what you guys have to say about it. Um, Because I, I do think that there are multiple ways that the Twins could go this winter. I think it could be something as simple as... Um, filling up the positions of absolute need, but I think it could also be, I think it could be more than that. I think this could be a very significant off season for the Twins. We talked about this a lot in the past, so I won't, I won't spend too much time dwelling on it. But they just have so much money to spend. They have so many wins to make up from 2018, and I don't know if you guys saw this news: the Cleveland Indians are considering a sell-off, apparently. Willing to listen to trade offers on guys like Corey Kluber, Carlos Carrasco. Uh, excuse me? What? So they won't trade Jose Ramirez. They won't trade Francisco Lindor, I'm guessing. But it seemed like pretty much everybody else. Jason Kipnis was on the list of guys they'd listen to. So it's weird to me that the, the Indians are willing to just concede, apparently, or maybe build for the future, whatever you want to call it. It should have been the Indians' division to win in 2019, and this all plays into why I think the Twins really need to go for it this winter. So let's get right into what uh, the five areas of need. I think first and foremost, you got to have a shortstop or a second baseman. Pick one for Jorge Polanco and fill the other one in free agency or trade. Next, Joe Maurer, replacement. What's going to happen? My guess is he's going to retire, but I have no idea. I have no new information over the last three weeks. I just don't see it playing out where Joe Maurer, you know, signs a four-year contract or something with the Twins. Could change. I could be totally wrong. That's happened once or twice in the past. If Joe Maurer retires, they need a first baseman. Third, I'd say bullpen upgrades. You got to do better than you did last year. Um, It wasn't an unmitigated disaster, but the bullpen needs to be better. And you look at the teams that are just excellent running away in the American League um, Oakland had a deep bullpen. The Yankees, even the Red Sox, that was supposed to be their weakness. And Joe Kelly, and then they moved Nathan Eovaldi to the bullpen. They crushed it in October, despite a less than elite performance from 
their best reliever, Craig Kimbrell. My point is that you see other bullpens across the league just sprinting out in front of the Twins, and they need to improve that if they want to be in the same conversation with some of those great teams. The fourth one I put was starting rotation. It was bad last year, but as I noted in the column, uh, Five Thoughts column I wrote for the website last week, it was a healthy Irvin Santana away from being a top five American League rotation. So take that for whatever it's worth. But I will also say it was not anywhere near Cleveland. It was not as good as the Yankees. It was not as good as the Red Sox. So you want to be in that conversation with other teams that are up at the top of the league? I think they need to address the starting rotation. Um, And if you're going to do that, I advocate aiming for the top end of free agents, not this middle tier. We can talk about rumored names that we've seen and all that stuff. The fifth and final that I have for this video is catcher. I'm concerned if I'm the twins about the catching situation. I don't know what Jason Castro is going to offer because of a knee surgery. I don't know Mitch Garver, despite making strides at the end of the year. I don't know if he's a number one catcher. And I'll be honest, I have no idea what Williams Astadio is. <laughs> he's a, a contact bat. There's some power there. I like it. I like the fact that he can play around everywhere at least be willing to put on a glove i don't think you want him in the outfield i don't think you want him at third base but the fact that he's willing to do it might help him make a 25-man roster sometime but is he a starting catcher is he a backup catcher is he a designated hitter i i don't really know what williams asked to deal is and i'm willing to admit that i still think catcher there's some uncertainty there so i outlined my five it was kind of rapid fire i'm looking up at my clock what five minutes or so that's not horrible that's not horrible. I I said rapid fire and a little bit true to my word, at least relative to the past. So I did see a bunch of comments trying or uh, uh, flooding in there while we were talking. So let's just turn it over to those because I said I want to hear from you guys more than more than I want to hear from myself. Uh, Greg gives us a thumbs up to start the video. Thank you, Greg. Um, if you are watching the video on Facebook, I would just kindly ask that you either hit the like button or hit share. It just Helps the video get out to more people. We'll get more questions and probably a smarter consensus the more people we have in here. Dan says, yes, miss my weekly Wetmore Facebook Lives. Well, Dan, hope that we can get back on here for you, at least with some sort of regularity. Now that we got GoGo in the fold, I think we'll be able to <laughs> I think we'll be able to stick to a schedule. Uh, Dan also says, Theo mentioned that Chris Bryant could be dealt. This team needs a big name and someone to put in the three-hole. Him or Machado, please, Dan said. Yeah, I mean, I think the Twins need to pursue an impact bat. I don't know that it's their top priority necessarily. Machado's an interesting one because he fills a position of need. Um, I've been asked on Twitter a bunch this week, hey, all else being equal, do you want Manny Machado, Bryce Harper, or Patrick Corbin, and I said, if the contract is equal, I want Bryce Harper. Figure out the outfield mess later. I don't care. Bryce Harper is my preferred free agent. Um, but the price ain't going to be equal. I think Patrick Corbin's going to cost less than those two guys. I think he'll get a much shorter contract, despite the fact that he's, what, 28, 29. Um, we just haven't seen those massive pitcher contracts that you're going to see for these two guys. It, think about what a unique offseason this is. Manny Machado and Bryce Harper hitting free agency in their mid-20s when the Albert Pujols of the world, Miguel Cabrera, 
when he re-upped with the Tigers. These guys were signing big contracts, Robbie Cano with the Mariners. They were signing big, huge, and lengthened contracts into their 30s that are going to carry them into their late 30s or early 40s in some cases. We've seen how those worked out already. We've already seen it. We know what the answer is. It doesn't look good. But reaching free agency at 26 is a whole different bear, and I I just think those guys are going to get paid the moon and the stars, and I think that the Twins should be at least interested in making that phone call. I, I have yet to hear a good reason why the Twins should not be in on the Manny Machado sweepstakes or in on Bryce Harper. The one point I guess I would I would underline is that uh, Bob Nightingale wrote a column, column slash report, I don't know what it was, but on USA Today he wrote, the Phillies are going to sign Bryce Harper, you can bank on it. That was a headline, and, and I thought, oh, that's just a hot take headline, and editor probably painted him in a corner there. But then I read the column, and no, <laughs> nope, that is a flat-out prediction that Bryce Harper signs with the Philadelphia Phillies, um, Terry Ryan's club. For all you Twins fans out there hating on TR, there is a non-zero chance that he signs with the Phillies. But other than that, I've been yet, I've yet to come across an explanation for why the Twins wouldn't at least be entertaining the possibility that one of the best young players of his generation, who's coming available at such a young age with money to spend, and a division to win that the Twins wouldn't be in on that kind of thing. So until I hear that, I'm going to keep talking about Bryce Harper. Dan, you asked about Chris Bryant or Manny Machado. Obviously depends on the price tag, but if you're trading for Chris Bryant, that's prospects, and he's relatively cheap because he's still team-controlled. He hasn't reached free agency yet. That's why the Cubs would be willing to trade him. Manny Machado, on the other hand, is not going to come cheaply. He's going to be expensive in terms of dollars, not in terms of prospects. He won't cost you prospect. So depends what currency you want to go shopping in, Dan. But you got to at least, if if Chris Bryant is available, and I saw the Buster Olney piece on ESPN that you're referring to, if Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, if they're available, it's worth a phone call. It's worth this conversation. The conversation that you and me are having right now, Dan, the Twins should be having it inside their walls at Target Field. Hey, could we go shopping with prospects this winter? Or should we be just shopping with money? Because that's two very different paths. And I think, frankly, Dan, to answer your question, I think you could do I think you could go down both routes. You could sign big name free agents this winter, like a Patrick Corbin or like a Bryce Harper, or if you think Craig Kimbrell's the guy. You you could go down that path and then in the summer in July, if you're out in front in the American League Central and you're looking like one of those teams, right, one of those legit teams that should take a swing at this thing, well, then you can trade prospects from your loaded stable, go get an ace or go get whatever you need in the bullpen or if there's a bat to fill a position of need, go do it. Go get JT Realmuto from the Marlins. Whatever whatever that trade is, whatever that trade looks like, I think that the Twins could go shopping with both money and prospect ammunition. So good question, and you got me talking an awful lot. If you guys are interested in that piece, Buster Olney for ESPN wrote about it. I think it was today. I think it was for his column on ESPN.com that uh, Theo Epstein basically said, I don't like dealing with untouchables. He said it'd be virtually impossible to imagine a deal where Rizzo or Bryant moves, but 
Why would you say untouchable ever? I agree with his point, but that'll be really – man, that'll be fascinating if a good Cubs team sells Chris Bryant right now. Someone think about – Justin says, who's Rocco looking at for pitching coach? I saw a report yesterday uh, that former Reds manager Brian Price is at least in consideration for the coaching staff. I don't know if that'd be pitching coach, but in some capacity he might – he might be one of the names the Twins are considering. Other than that, I don't have a great answer for you because I'm not sitting in the interview rooms. But I was really intrigued by the fact that Balvi and Levine went out and handpicked Garvin Alston when there were bigger names available, more prominent names that you could have had. And one year later, he's looking for work again. Um, my experience with Garvin was positive, um, but it's probably just one of those manager gets to pick his guys sort of thing. So look around the league who are Rocco's guys. I think that would do good. You know, not that he has his short list necessarily. Otherwise, they would have already hired everybody. But if you have a list of people you'd like to work with, I think that's that'd be a good place to start for figuring out who's going to coach the Twins. Um, but I'm, I've moved past the point of making recommendations on that front. I just couldn't possibly have enough ammo to make uh to make a smart rec- recommendation a lot of times you're just recycling names and this isn't the nhl so go find somebody who can do the job who can communicate the process the analytics who's also good at coaching um teaching you know body mechanics and all of that kind of stuff as well as sort of an amateur psychologist i wouldn't mind seeing some more of that on the coaching staff Dan says, ditch the go-go cutout, the Carlos Gomez cutout in the background that I found in the closet. <laughs> Is we're cleaning out the 1500 ESPN vault. Uh, if I have to take a break in a little bit, Dan, I will get rid of him. Not going to stand up, stop the movie for it. Movie. It's like I'm a Hollywood director. Not going to stop the uh, Facebook Live session for it. Sorry. All right, Brian Olson this winter. Brian wants to see a couple lockdown relievers for the Twins. I could see it. I could see it. There are obviously names available. You've seen the names. Uh, We don't need to spout them off here. The two big ones that you've seen probably are Craig Kimbrell and Adam Odovino. But as we sort of talked about last winter with Wade Davis, there was this great piece by Joe Sheehan. I think it was in his newsletter. I might be wrong, but... The piece was basically saying the goal for Major League front offices is not to sign Wade Davis. The goal is to find the next Wade Davis. And I think that's where the Twins are at right now, to be honest with you. I I just don't know that you would go pay, you know, are you going to go pay market rate for Nathan Eovaldi and say, well, he's not a starter. Did you see him in October? He's in our bullpen. Or, you know, Kelly (laughs) or... Kimbrel, like I mentioned, or Odovino. I I think that the Twins could be in a spot where they just either try to go trade for a cost-controlled good reliever or where they try to develop one of their own former starting pitchers into that shutdown role. The number one name on everybody's list um, in these circles, of course, Twins fans, people who follow the team very closely, is Trevor May. I mean, Trevor May has had a lot of success in two different seasons now out of the bullpen, and... 
I've been on the Trevor May bandwagon for years. You guys are probably sick of hearing me talk about how capable I think he would be in either role. If Trevor May is a starter, I think he's one of your three best starters right now. Three or four. If he is a reliever, he might be the Twins' best reliever this side of Taylor Rogers. After the 2018 season that Rogers had, that's his belt right now. And May has higher upside. He just has better swing and miss stuff. He can dial it up more with his fastball. He can pitch up in the zone. I like Trevor May, especially if you were going to go to a relief role where you're maybe pitching 70 to whatever, 90 innings or something like that, where it really is just a closer position and not just that roving guy who throws 100, 110 innings. If Trevor May is in a one-inning role for the most part, and the occasional four or five outs save, fine, or high leverage moment of the game in the seventh inning, that's fine too. But if he's used in sort of those one-inning bursts, I think he could ditch one of the breaking balls, hone in on whichever one he likes better, and then he's a fastball changeup slider guy, for example. Just just if, for example, if that's what he were to pick. And there's value in being a four-pitch reliever, but I think it's also probably easier to stay on top of three pitches. And And by stay on top of, I don't mean physically stay on top of. I mean stay sharp with your location, with your delivery, making sure you're not tipping, all that stuff that a pitcher has to think about on a daily basis. I think that Trevor May could thrive in a relief role. So, Brian, I'm I'm not against you there. If they're going to sign a couple lockdown relievers, great. That makes the team better right away. Why wait? But if you think you can solve that problem internally, maybe that frees up some resources to go do something else. I think... I think uh, Trevor May and Fernando Romero are both in that conversation for me. That's where I was talking about, what was it, two, three weeks ago where I said, if you move those two guys into the bullpen, suddenly it starts to look a little better. If you go Trevor May and Fernando Romero and Taylor Rogers is a lefty, Trevor Hildenberger had kind of a rocky year from start to finish, but the year before that, he looked like a ground ball strikeout machine uh, with the funky stuff and the change piece. He was great. If he can bounce back to being sort of that Trevor Hildenberger, that's a late-inning weapon for you. So what is that? May, Romero, Rogers, Hildenberger's four. Well, you traded Ryan Presley. You'd like to have that piece back. Uh, the fifth one that you got to throw in there is Addison Reed, who's under contract for 2019. Really bad year in 2018. Nobody talked about too much because the team sort of, you know, was out of contention and it's not the kind of thing you really need to hammer down on. Logan Morrison was not a good free agent signing based on the results, um, and they bought him out. Um, what was the other? Oh, Lance Lynn. I mean, if you wanted to criticize the Twins for free agent signings, get in line because – those those two looked bad, certainly for the first month of the season. Fernando Romero, uh, I'm sorry, Fernando Rodney looked bad for the first month of the season before turning it around and then fetching some value in a trade with the A's. The A's picked up his option, I read, so that uh, that would have been a bullpen piece for 2019 for the Twins if they hadn't traded him. Um, but Addison Reed just sort of quietly in the background had a bad year. He is under contract, and his track record suggests good reliever, um, he hasn't needed the big fastball in the past to get by and have success in a relief role. So if you're the Twins, maybe you hope that a lot or all of that 
lack of success was based on the fact that he wasn't 100% healthy all year. And if that's the case and you get a bounce back Addison Reed, then great. Then that helps your bullpen too. So you're talking four or five guys that you can sort of start to write in pencil. Um, a guy like Matt McGill had a good year. Oliver Drake looked like a nice piece till they lost him on waivers. They have they have pieces. They have interesting pieces. But Brian's point on Facebook here is not get pieces and fill out a staff with pitchers. It's build towards the top of the staff and bump everybody down a peg or two. And that really starts to help the bullpen. It helps the starting rotation. Um, that's that's kind of the approach I'd take in free agency or trades with the starting rotation. I think it's also the way you have to go with the bullpen if you're the Twins. All right, Greg. Greg wants to know, how about Kimbrell for a closer? Twins had too many walk-off losses last year. Totally agree on the walk-off losses. <laughs> Was it 12? Was it 13? Something ridiculous. I lost count. I wrote a piece in like... Gosh, it was, I want to say, the middle of May or, like, June 1 or something like that where where I was breaking down, like, the anatomy of their five walk-offs. And I was like, is this a trend? Is this a problem for the Twins? Is this something that they can stamp out right now? Is it bad luck? Certainly it's some of that. But, but is it all attributable to luck, or are they screwing something up right now? And I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that it's even fair to make that conclusion based off of the time that I wrote that piece, because after that it was just like, keep going. <laughs> if you were if you were concerned about walk off losses in May, it didn't get a whole lot better. So I I don't know what to make of it. I don't know if you can blame it on Fernando Rodney or Addison Reed or whatever. I don't know what the explanation would be, but Craig Kimbrell ought to help with that. But Greg, I don't know if you're here for the first point. Maybe you just jumped in, and we were talking about Wade Davis, how Joe Sheehan wrote this great piece last year about your goal is not to find and sign Wade Davis, just as an example. This was last year's example, but but maybe Craig Kimbrell is this example. I, I have to dig more into Kimbrell to see, is that the kind of guy worth paying a big reliever contract to, or is, is there something to be wary of? Are there warning signs to signing Craig Kimbrell to a big and rich contract? Um, I think your goal should be to find the next guy. But if Craig Kimbrell's young enough and he's still got three lights out years, as much as you can bank on that for any reliever, which is not a whole lot, that I would say that kind of arm would make the bullpen better. I'm not going to argue with you there. Where I would push back a little is, is that the best bang for their buck? The Twins have a ton of money to spend, so you can go get rich contracts, but if signing Craig Kimbrell knocks you out of a Manny Machado sweepstakes or Bryce Harper sweepstakes or whatever, if you can't get Patrick Corbin because of Craig Kimbrell or whatever, whatever, go on and on and on down that list. If you can't make other necessary upgrades because you wanted the shiny reliever, that's where it gets a little concerning that I would be at least thoughtful of what that looks like on the payroll, what that looks like on the roster for not only next year, but the years to come. And if Kimbrell is still worth it, then yeah, go ahead and go for it. Justin says, 
The biggest need is bullpen and catcher. Talked a lot about the bullpen, so let's get to the catcher portion of it. I think you're 100% right, Justin. I think that catcher cannot be overlooked. There was a report from MLB.com's John Morosi the other day that said the Twins have been interested in Robinson Chirinos, the former Rangers starting catcher. And, you know, he's he's Chirinos mid-30s. It's not a household name that would vault the Twins to the top of the American League. It's, it's, a, it's an insurance policy, is the way I described it in my column the other day, that if you're getting Robinson Chernos, it's because you don't think that Jason Castro's knee holds up for a full season. Because otherwise, it's you've got Castro, who's under contract. You've got Mitch Garver, who's under team control. You've got Williams Astadio, who we talked about earlier, who, yeah, is still obviously under team control. But, yeah, where does he fit in? Fair question. If you're signing a free agent like Chirnos, it's because you're getting an insurance policy, not because you're swinging for, you know, a home run hit. You know, JT Realmuto, if you were to trade for him, if you were to call up Miami and say, hey, listen, we got tons of prospects, you're rebuilding, you traded an NL MVP for crying out loud last year, what will it take to get that catcher out of Florida? And yeah, you just pay the price in prospects. That that is taking an appreciable step forward. That's a significant upgrade, in my opinion, from even a Jason Castro, who I have a lot of respect for. I think Jason Castro was a big loss for the Twins last year. I talked about it on the podcast for weeks. I wrote a column about it that, hey, Jason Castro is a bigger loss than most people realize. A lot of people said, well, he couldn't hit anyway, so the Twins aren't missing anything. Yeah, they were. They gave up a lot defensively when they went from Jason Castro to the combination of Bobby Wilson and Mitch Garver behind the plate. It it was a step down. Um, And then eventually Chris Jimenez took over that Bobby Wilson role, and eventually Williams Astadio worked his way into the mix. My point at the time was Jason Castro is, is better than a lot of people recognize defensively, in, in my opinion. He's good at getting those borderline strikes, keeping those borderline strikes. He's good at developing a game plan, and I personally think he was good at planning hitters too, like game calling. Hey, set this guy up with a high fastball and drop the hook. There are, there are just basic truisms to pitching that we all kind of watch and we see, but Castro is like on another level with that stuff. The things that he talks about and, and plans for just helped pitchers be better flat out. Like Missing Byron Buxton hurt last year. Not having consistency in the middle infield definitely hurt last year. Brian Dozier had a down year. Jorge Polanco was out for the first half of the season. Um, so defensively, the Twins were hurting all over the diamond, and it really it bared out in the pitching staff. You you didn't see the same sort of results um, pitching for the Twins, and Castro was a part of that. Castro was a part that got overlooked for sure. So anyways, Mitch Garver would not— he was not ready for that type of role defensively at the time he was called upon. To his credit, I do think Mitch Garver made strides toward the end of the season. He got better and better behind the plate. I still wonder, is that enough to say, if Castro can't go, Mitch Garver's the guy? Or even, hey, even if Castro can go, Mitch Garver, you're the one. Castro, you're the two. We need about 
50 or 60 games out of you, and and then you'd trust the knee to hold up, of course. Um, you would just be willing to take the risk that, all right, every, you know, two times a week, Castro's going to squat behind the plate rather than saying, can he catch five games every week? Will he make it to 100, 110, 115 games as a catcher, as a starting catcher for the Twins? I'm not sure that you can count on that. I, this is not based on any information. I'm not like reporting that Castro's had a setback or anything like that. I'm just saying you have a significant knee surgery that wipes you out for an entire season as a catcher. I think if you're the Twins, you'd be smart to be worried about that right now rather than counting on, oh, yeah, 115 games, no problem. Jason Castro's got it. He had the surgery. He should be good. I think that'd be a mistake in a year that you're trying to compete. So all of that is a really long way of saying that I agree that catcher needs to be a point of emphasis for the Twins this winter. It's a little tricky, though, because I don't know how you address it. I don't know what the best strategy is because do you go get a starter and just say, oh, these other three guys duke it out for the backup? Do you trade somebody? I don't know what the solution is. But I do think the catcher needs to be on their list. Dane says, where's the couch? I sold it to those Eagles fans. Drew says, with their seeming willingness to use an opener... How will they impact the construction of the pitching staff and bullpen? I don't think you'd change the way you build a pitching staff too much just just because you're willing to use an opener. We saw the Rays do it last year. Obviously, that that's the the example that we need to get out there. They they dumped Jake Odorizzi for basically nothing, um, and then said, "Well." That fifth spot's going to the bullpen anyways. And they rolled with that, and they had success with it, and their team ERA, I believe they were top five in the American League last year, if I'm not mistaken. And good for them. I mean, part of that's Blake Snell, obviously, just being great. But part of that's also the willingness to hide some of their lesser starters by getting through the top portion of the order so that when that second pitcher comes through, if he goes through twice, or three times through the batting order, his third time through doesn't start with the Jose Altuve's, the Mike Trout's of the world. It starts with the five, six, seven hitters. And I I mean, I I think it's a smart approach. I don't know how much it adds, but I think it adds something on the margin to a pitching staff. Drew, I just don't think that you'd change the way you build a staff. I think you still want five or six guys that could shoulder 30 starts if called upon. Um, the perfect example, I look, I think the Twins should try to be the Indians, not the Rays. I think that you should try to have Corey Kluber, Carlos Carrasco, um, Josh Tomlin, Clevenger, um, and then Shane Bieber, I think, was the guy who started the, the next most often for them. And that was pretty much it. Those are the guys that made the starts for, for Cleveland. And if you can get through a season like that, I think you're in much better shape than trying to fudge your way through it with uh, sort of a makeshift pitching staff. Don't get me wrong. The Rays had success with it. I think it can help a team. I don't think the Twins should shy away from it, and I can guarantee you that they won't. But I don't know that you would necessarily forego pursuing a starter just because you think that 
Gabrielle Moya can pitch the first inning 15 times a year. I, I don't think that's a reason to give up on a guy like Patrick Corbin, just for example. All right, Dan says they must add one big bat, one starting pitcher, one closer, and he says he's with Greg on adding Craig Kimbrell, and then two other relief pitchers. That'd be a good winner. That'd be a good winner. Uh, Justin says trade possibilities for the Twins. This is interesting. Let's get into this. Trade possibilities. Gray, Paxton, Segura, Granke, Goldschmidt. Those are some big names. I talked about Granke on a like a podcast at the onset of the offseason that if you're going to eat a lot of money and they'll give them to you for nothing and they're going to eat some money, it's an interesting contract. It's something it's basically what Clayton Kershaw just signed, right? So I don't know. I mean, who do you count on to be better the next 3 years? For me, I would need to have basically no cost in prospect, and I'd want some money eaten to feel good about the Granky contract, but who knows? Goldschmidt, A.J. Pollock would be a really good one. He's a free agent. Just go pick Arizona and take their good players. Ask him to trade Eduardo Escobar to you while you're at it. Uh, the The... Reports that the Mariners are interested in trading are interesting. Yes, James Paxton should be high on your radar. He was one of the best pitchers in the American League if the Mariners are open to trading. Same for Segura. That would help clear up the middle infield situation, and it would keep you from having to pursue Manny Machado. So you can go spend all that money on Bryce Harper. The free agents that uh, Justin wants here, Nelly Cruz, Mike Moustakis, Josh Donaldson, Michael Brantley, Ismani Grandal, uh I almost said A.J. Ramos. Probably Wilson Ramos is my guess we were looking for there. Uh, Zach Britton, Craig Kimbrell, and Cody Allen. No Andrew Miller? Dan says, please tell me we're not really interested in Cruz. Power bat, yes, but we don't need a straight DH. I'd rather have a couple guys you could rotate in DH from the field. I think the Twins could use a DH if it was the right guy. What is Cruz, 38? Um, I'd have to do more analysis on what that would look like in the, the years and dollars to to really be sold on a contract like that. But I wouldn't mind having a DH if I was the Twins. If it's the right bat, it's the right bat. Justin says, also forgot about Familia and Kelvin Herrera. Some more reliever arms. I'm going to skip the question dogging on the ownership group. Shane says, Chris Bryant? Question mark? This would be an incredible get, but he's going to cost way too much. Alex Kirloff or Royce Lewis, more than likely, says Shane. I don't know what it cost. I wouldn't trade either one of those guys straight up for Chris Bryant right now, unless I thought that my only window to win was the next two years. Um, Short of that, I'm listening. <laughs> I'm listening. I don't know what it would cost to get Chris Bryant, who's still under team control. I think it's through the 2021 season, so 19, 20, 21, three years of team control. Yes, arbitration raises are going to cost you a little bit, but it's not going to cost you what he would have cost you on the open market if he was a free agent right now. 
So it goes back to the conversation we had earlier, Shane. The Twins should be able and I think willing to shop with two different kinds of currency. One, dollars. Two, prospects. They're at a spot where they could do that right now, whether it's this winter or this July. I think they should go shopping with prospects. But I think uh, first order of business, it would be filling out free agency with the tons of tons of financial flexibility that they ought to have this winter, as I've written about just a number of times this winter. Go get free agents that help improve the 25-man roster next year and into the future. And then if there are trades available, don't shy away from that. This winter would be fine. If that has to wait until July, I mean, I'm I'm not offended at that point. Shane also adds here on Patrick Corbin, Corbin would be a huge get, but his value, but is his value the same in the American League with the DH? Well, I'd argue, yeah, because you have to get through lineups, you know, just as much in the American League. Yeah, the offensive environment is more difficult for, especially for a starting pitcher who's going to have to navigate that not only second and third time through a lineup, but they don't have a gimme out at the bottom of the order. They've got a designated hitter probably hitting somewhere in the middle. So will his ERA be the exact same? I mean, I don't know about that, but I don't think that an American League team should shy away from Patrick Corbin. I think he had a great year in his walk season in Arizona, and I think he changed as a pitcher, and I think that's sustainable. I think I really do. I really think he's a good pitcher who's relatively young that um, you should consider for multiple years. That being said, with Clayton Kershaw off the market, if Patrick Corbin is the apple of everybody's eye, like I assume he is, he's going to be expensive, and then you've got to decide what's the at what ante do you back away from the poker table. I think that's what the Twins will have to figure out. I'm surprised we've gotten this far through the podcast and no questions about J.A. Happ. There was a John Morosi report, I think, yesterday that said the Twins have shown interest in Happ. Obviously, went from the Blue Jays to the Yankees in a trade. Lefty, he's like 36, I want to say. He just turned 36 in October, if I have that right. And... He should be on the short list, too. He's one of the best available pitchers in free agency. Yeah, he's old. You wouldn't give him a 10-year contract, though, so I'm not real worried about that. Rich Hill, a couple winners ago, got a three-year deal when he was in his mid to late 30s. I think John Lackey got a similar contract with the Cubs um, at at a quote-unquote advanced age. So, I mean, that's that's part of it. Jay Happ's been a good pitcher the last four seasons. I'd be interested if I was the Twins, too. I wrote in the column, I think, if it's something like three years and 36, three years and 40, three years and 45, you shouldn't necessarily run and hide from a guy like Jay Happ. But anyways, I just inserted my own question into the into the Facebook chat. I'm sorry. I'll get back to yours. Yours are better. John says, do Machado's abilities offset his childish act antics um, stating that he'll never hustle down the line. Well, to be fair, John, I don't think that's what he said exactly, but not, not for me. I talked about it. There's a there's a podcast that you can find on the Touch 'Em All feed. If you're if you're listening to this podcast right now, just go back a couple of episodes, and it's I think it's literally titled Manny Machado and Free Agency. 
helping the twins spend tens of millions of dollars or something like that. I got creative with the headline. Got a little creative license. But no, I, I would not want to commit three hundred plus million dollars to Manny Machado. It's not even just for the hustle thing, although that does send a bad message to the clubhouse. Hey, I'm a superstar, screw you, I don't need to hustle. Um Spiking guys, that bugs me a lot. Um, it wouldn't be enough to turn me off of a great player like Manny Machado, who, don't get me wrong, fantastic player. What a rare opportunity to get somebody like that to hit free agency in his mid-20s. Superstar player, and he would make the Twins a lot better. I have no questions about that. But when you ask me, um, do his abilities offset all of his stuff? All else being equal, not for me, John. If you're looking for more on Machado, we talked at length. That was uh, Phil Mackey and myself talking about Machado and upgrading the bullpen. And we, we really started the free agency conversation with Manny, and then we disagreed on that one. He said yes, I said no, and then we went down our different off-season plans based on the answer to that one. Jason says, keep going. I assume you're talking about with this excellent podcast, and yes, we will keep going. Thank you for your support, Jason. Jim says, pitching, 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 and pitching. Yeah, but you also can't ignore the other glaring holes. First base, catcher's a question mark, shortstop or second base, depending where Jorge Polanco plays. And then the twin C, Miguel Sano as a third baseman. I've defended Miguel Sano at basically every turn along the way, even when it was unpopular to do so. And I'm not so sure right now, as we sit here today, if Miguel Sano is a league average third baseman for 160 games a year. I don't know that you could ever have 100% conviction on that. So throw that into the list of question marks, Jim. But yes, pitching would help. Chris says they need to target everyone. Yeah, but if you target everyone, you target no one. Just ask the podcast listeners. If I try to make this too general, I think I turn some people off. If I just agree with everybody. So I disagree, Chris. I disagree completely. Gary says, forget spending money on the bullpen. Need Ramos and Hap. So Wilson Ramos, Jay Hap. Could see it. I could see it. I think you could aim higher than that, too. I think the thing that had people annoyed around the office the other day, I say people, it was more like person. He said, I'm not interested. He's too old. Um, and I think that comes from the perception that if Jay Hap is the only thing you do this winter to make your team better, it's a little disappointing in, in terms of... Uh, what should be one of the most significant off-seasons uh, of the past 20 years, right? I mean, this is a huge off-season for the Twins. If Hap is the only thing you do, I could see being disappointed. But if Hap is just one addition in a line, like if you get Bryce Harper and J.A. Hap, you're really going to complain about J.A. Hap? I think, I think it's more of a reflection on what the other moves would be. Um, but so anyways, yeah, I could see it, but I still think you should aim higher. I mean, I think you should make Patrick Corbin tell you no thanks before um, before you just say, we'll do, we'll go Barreos, Hap, Gibson, Odorizzi, and Pineda slash Mejia and call that a day. Um, I, I think that 
the Twins, if they're going to address their starting rotation, Gary, I think they should aim for the very top, try to improve it that way. If it's a Dallas Keuchel, if you think he fits that bill, um, if it is Hap, if you think he fits that bill, or if it's Patrick Corbin, I know Kershaw's off the market, if it's a trade for a guy like Corey Kluber, I'm in. I'm interested. Joel asks a fair question, it looks like. I haven't read the whole thing. He says, after last offseason, why should any Twins fans be excited for this offseason? Do we really think the front office can build a winner? It's fair. I think it's a fair criticism. Uh, but I also think they had they had some bad luck with how their moves turned out last year. Let's be fair about it. The Logan Morrison, I said, eh, Pretty good upside play. Lance Lynn. Eh, I don't think he's that good, but $12 million and a one-year commitment? Stuff to go wrong. Um, what the other one? The Jake Odorizzi trade I thought was highway robbery. So, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and criticize and say that it was a terrible offseason for the Twins. I will say a lot of the moves didn't pan out. Fernando Rodney looked okay overall. Logan Morrison. Um, Urban Santana, which wasn't their fault, but that sort of shipwrecked things. Lance Lynn looked like a bad move um, with the benefit of hindsight. Zach Duke would, didn't really give you a whole lot on the field, if we're being honest about it. Addison Reed looked bad and has a second year of his deal coming up. So there are a number of things that you can criticize the Twins for. But, Joel, if you're asking me to give you a pep talk on why you should be excited about this offseason, I would just say there's a column floating around out there that I wrote about how the Twins should have tons of money to spend. And it's honestly going to be tens of millions of dollars. If they don't spend, you know, what is it, $40, 50000000 million upgrading their roster this winter, I think you'd have the right to be mad. I absolutely think you should be mad at that. Um, but that would be the one reason that I'd point to. Like, I'm not, a, I'm not a motivational speaker. I'm not filling in for Tony Robbins anytime soon. But I think there is this perception that the Twins are just – like there's this apathy that surrounds the Twins, and I don't really think that's earned. I think that there is plenty to like about what could happen this winter, and that's frankly what I'd be excited about if I was rooting for this team. I'm just rooting for it to be interesting, you know, from my perspective, one way or the other. Um, I want to have things to talk about on these Facebook Live videos with you, my fine friends. But if they don't do anything, we don't have much to talk about. So I'm pulling for it in that way. Eric says, anyone with talent, but the Twins will cheap out again. Okay. Hey, uh, cold Twins takes. I hope you take note of that retort. Chris says, we need two starting pitchers and an A-plus closer with a 95-plus middle reliever. A catcher, a first baseman, and a third baseman, and a middle infielder for depth. A catcher who actually hits, not just plays defense. So that is a minimum of eight guys. And Chris says, get rid of Buxton. So... Chris is all aboard the hot take train tonight. Who's with him? Marcus wants to know, uh, well, they should add a catcher, second baseman, and pitching, of course, need to have much more impactful offseason. I agree. I agree that they need to make more moves this winter than they made last winter in terms of impact moves, not just sheer number, sheer volume of moves. Well, they might have to do that too, just given what's available. But Marcus, on your second base point, I think it's possible, and this is something I've talked about in previous podcasts, I think it's possible you move Jorge Polanco 
to second base, just now is a clean time to do it. It's the first time in the last four years that Brian Dozier hasn't been locked in as the starting second baseman. So if you were waiting for a time to move Polanco, this would be a convenient time to do it. You just got to decide which is easier to fill, shortstop or second base, and can Polanco do the other one capably? I think we've seen what he is as a shortstop, and that's never going to overwhelm you defensively. But at the same time, you add that bat to a shortstop that you hope could be league average, that's a pretty valuable player um, on such a cheap contract that Polanco has. So maybe it is easier to go get a second baseman to say, hey, Logan Forsyth, want to run it back? Hey, Dozier, no hard feelings. Want to run it back? Personally, I don't know that I would, but I think second base won't be expensive to fill if you want to go the cheap route. I also think Polanco could make all kinds of sense at second base and you go fill shortstop. Hey, Manny, Manny Machado's a shortstop, isn't he? Asking for a friend. Gary wants to know, will the Twins offer Joe a one-year contract? I would. I think he can be a part of a winning team. Roughly a league average hitter with the on-base percentage and basically no power. Professional. Can fill in a DH. Maybe one of the best defensive first basemen in baseball. There's some value there. Daniel wants to bring Dozier back. He can't be alone in that. I've heard from a lot of people who really like Brian Dozier and want the 2019 roster to include Brian Dozier. I don't think it will, but it's a possibility. If you're asking me the chance on a percentage basis, I would say it's non-zero. Gary says, what do you think of Jed Lowry at second base? Yeah, I think Jed, Jed Lowry had a good season. I think he'd be fine. Um, you do worry about pop-ups, right? So I'd have to do a little bit more digging, but you got to be worried at least a little bit about that. Danny says, uh, I know we have plenty of money, but knowing all Minnesota teams, we are going to overpay on all needs. Where's the optimism there, Danny? Just because every other Minnesota team has broken your heart for all of our lives doesn't mean that this one will be the same. I think there's a Timberwolves game tonight, too. Sacramento, if I remember correctly. So recency bias doesn't help us here. Chris keeps the hot train... The hot take train chugging along. He says, no opener in caps with an exclamation point. Chris continues, people have common sense. Get someone that we can afford or who wants to come here. All these big names are fun and cute, but get real. Chris, do you want um, do you want first row seats or second row seats at the Bryce Harper introductory press conference? See if we can hold one for you. I wonder if they introduce Patrick Corbin on the same day. No, they probably you probably give him separate press conferences, right? Feel like that's only fair. 
Jamie asks, how much do we have in cap space? And the answer to that is infinity. Infinity cap space. Joel Herring says no cap in baseball. There are caps in baseball, but there's no salary cap. Jamie follows it up and wants to know what the current payroll is. And I wrote a column about this, Jamie, if you are interested. Um, I can throw it in the comments after. If you're interested, I, I won't dig it up right now. But basically said the Twins should have a lot of money to spend this winter. And it's true. A lot of guys coming off the books. Joe Maurer, Irvin Santana, Logan Morrison, Lance Lynn's contract. Ryan Presley was going to get an arbitration raise. Eduardo Escobar, Brian Dozier were free agents anyways, and they got traded, as did Presley. Um, Fernando Romero's 2019 options off the books. Phil Hughes is getting paid a little bit of money by the Padres. Um, who am I forgetting? Well, that those names I just listed cleared an awful lot of space off the books. And I had before arbitration raises, which they're going to have to pay. They will have to pay arbitration raises. I don't think you're going to non-tender everybody. If you're going to pay Kyle Gibson a raise and Jake Odorizzi a raise because you have to. Um, if you're going to lock up Jose Barreos to a long-term contract. So if if you're going to do those kinds of things, it will cut into this number. But before doing that, if the 2019 Twins would start the season with the same payroll as the 2018 Twins, Jamie, it was $70 million. $70 million to pay to upgrade the roster. And... Some of that will go to guys like Eddie Rosario. I mentioned maybe Barrales, Kyle Gibson, Jake Odorizzi. There are, there are moves in there within your own walls that you're going to have to cut into some of that 70. You just are. Um, but you could also go above $130 million if you wanted to. I'm not going to stop you from doing that. I don't think any of the fine people on the Facebook chat will stop you from doing that. So, nor will any of the podcast subscribers, for that matter. I just think... $70 million is a lot to play with, and some of it will be cut into. But, Jamie, they've got a ton of space based on what came off the books last year that they could really make a dent upgrading this roster. That's why we're talking about guys like Bryce Harper. That's why we're even talking about guys like Manny Machado, Patrick Corbin. We're not just hoping that J.A. Happ signs a cheap two-year deal, right? If you're the Twins, you need to be thinking about more than just those mid-rotation Middle relief, serviceable starting position player, Jose Iglesias. Like, players that improve the roster are fine. But you can get those guys, and you can also get that next tier up if you choose to do so this winter. That's been my point all along, Jamie. Joel says, do we really think this team can win now, or are we building for a year or two down the road? I think they can win now. 78 wins last year. They've got so much money to spend that they could buy 10 wins. Um, you'd think Byron Buxton's got to give you more than what he gave you last year, right? I mean, he has to. You'd think Miguel Sano could give you more. you think Eddie Rosario could stop from crashing in the second half of the season and put together a full season like we saw in the first half last year. you think Max Kepler could take that step forward. Jorge Polanco plays a full year. So, yeah, I think there's a lot. I do think that there's a lot that you could get done in a winter that the Indians apparently are trying to take a step back. Not that I understand that move completely, but 
I definitely think that this is a team that could win in 2019, Joel. Let's see. We're running out of time on the uh, – not the podcast time. There's no time. It's infinite. Well, I guess not, but don't think too hard about that one. There is uh, time on my cell phone battery, though. So let's rapid fire through some questions, and if you've got any more, I will definitely get into them on the Facebook's comment. If you're a Facebooker, check out the Touch Em All podcast. We do fun stuff like this. I believe there's going to be a very special second episode on this Friday afternoon. Um, check that out. And if you are a podcaster, thank you for listening to Touch Em All podcast. Please do two things for me. One, if you haven't given us a review in iTunes, we would love to hear from you. We would especially love to hear from the people who think this is a five-star podcast. The second thing I'd ask of you podcasters, check out my Facebook page. It's Derek Wetmore MLB on Facebook, and that's where we do these chats. I post a couple of things every week. I posted the Bryce Harper thing the other day. All my columns end up there. That's where I have – I probably have more interaction on Facebook by a ratio of 5 to 1 than on Twitter. It's just the nature of the great questions that I get on Facebook and the interaction that we have. We're starting to build a community there, and we'd love to have you as a part of it. So let's rapid fire through the rest of these questions. Thank you all for coming out. It's been lovely. Justin says, Andrew Miller just doesn't look like the same pitcher. Too many injuries makes me nervous. Yep, that's fair. That's fair. Same reason you might have been nervous about Clayton Kershaw, who's now off the table anyways, but I think that's a fair criticism of Andrew Miller in 2018. David says, Yasmani Grandal and Patrick Corbin and see where uh, see what LeMahieu wants. To play second, I'm sure. All right. Chris. Chris has like 15 comments here on Facebook, and I'm guessing they're still all all aboard the hot take train. So I'm actually just going to skip over a lot of those. Chris, don't get me wrong. I'll get to those on Facebook after, but in the in the essence of doing rapid fire at the end of this video – at the end of this podcast, I'll just respond to you in text on my Facebook page later. David says, Hap is too old. That'd be fair. I wouldn't give him a five-year deal probably, but I don't think he's too old to pitch and get outs in the big leagues. He wasn't too old last year. Blake says, maybe trade for a pitcher or two. Yeah, I could see it. See what the Indians want for Corey Kluber. Daniel says, don't forget we have Michael Pineda this year. Yep. But Tommy John and the knee surgery, you kind of wonder, what are you going to get from him in 2019? How many innings can you bank on? Gary says, Sano is done. Sano and Santana are trade bait. Going to be hard to trade Santana after you bought out his contract, but see if uh, see if you can dupe somebody into that. Joel says, Sano can't hit on a regular basis. LOL, we are not getting Bryce Harper. Yeah, but we can have fun with it. Can't we, Joel? We can have fun with it. Joel follows up later and says, The issue for me is they signed several guys to quality contracts last year. Lots of praise for the Twins offseason a year ago, but very few things panned out. 100%. That's right. Danny says, Thanks, bro. Danny, stay aboard that optimism train, man. Optimism reigns. Joel says, I think Sano needs to go. I don't know that you'd move Sano right now, guys. I'm going to be honest. 
I don't know why you'd get rid of him at the low point of his value. This is the lowest point his value has ever been since he debuted. I don't know why you'd sell that stock that's crashed. I think you'd try to keep and build some value in that. If you look, if eventually you decide I'm not going to sign him to a an eight year contract extension as he approaches free agency, that's fine. I'm not saying he's always untouchable. This offseason, I think it would be a big mistake to trade Miguel Sano. And Byron Buxton for that matter. Joel says, most likely Twins edition, and since I am the victim of trolls myself on this podcast, I am going to troll you right back and say, Bryce Harper. (laughs) Unless Bob Nightingale of the USA Today is right and the Phillies are a foregone conclusion to sign Bryce Harper to a $400 million contract, in that case, I don't see Bryce Harper playing in Minnesota. Other than that, we're going to keep talking about it. We're going to keep having fun with it. That's it for me on this podcast episode. Thank you, thank you, thank you to all the Facebookers who came by and gave us some great questions to chit-chat about. Again, another special episode of the Touch Mall podcast dropping later today. That is Friday, November 9th. I believe that is the plan. That is the word I heard from the planning committee. And also from said committee, we've got a special guest coming up next Tuesday. So hope you guys subscribe. Hope you guys like the podcast. Let us know in the comments on Apple. And... Leave us a thumbs up on the way out on Facebook. Thanks for coming. Talk to you guys next week.